Ladies and gentlemen, I wanted to introduce a new sponsor to the podcast. Hillsdale College has been a longtime sponsor of the broadcast. And for the new year, they have graciously agreed to exclusively sponsor the first hour or segment of the podcast. I believe deeply in the principles and mission of Hillsdale College, which I share with you during the upcoming segment. My thanks and appreciation to Hillsdale College for their long partnership with the show. And now, the podcast. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I know why you're here, and I don't blame you. I spent a lot of time going through the Roger Stone matter, going through the government opening matter and so forth. I want to start the program this way, with a little story. And as I tell you this story, I want you to think about the Stone matter. By the way, I have nothing but the deepest contempt for Roger Stone. But what was done to him today in the United States is absolutely, once again, unbelievable, un-American. Not the charges so much, we'll get into that, but the manner in which the FBI and the marshals and local law enforcement were directed to conduct themselves against an American citizen who hasn't been found guilty of anything, who didn't have any weapons, who was not leading a a mob or a drug cartel or a gang. And I want to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you a story about George Washington. Stay with me. Alexander Hamilton and Thomas Jefferson. What does this have to do with this? A lot. I'm reading from a book that's really not available anymore. It's a book that in 1974... uh, Various uh, charges of misconduct were brought against various presidents. It was compiled as they were contemplating the impeachment of Richard Nixon. And in this book, it addresses each president and what they faced and how they handled it. It's a fascinating book. You can get it online for about a thousand bucks. That's how few of them are left. Near the end of March 1793, news arrived that the revolutionary French Republic had declared war on Great Britain. This marked the beginning of the most difficult period of George Washington's administration. The president was determined to maintain the strictest neutrality, but to do so would necessitate a battle against long odds. Locked in a struggle for survival, both France and Britain interfered with Americans with America's neutral trade. Moreover, few Americans could be impartial about the war. The two political parties were involved in a struggle between liberty and order at home, and both saw a similar struggle in the conflict abroad. Now remember, the French helped us win the Revolutionary War. But our heritage is with the British. Republicans were certain... This is the party of Jefferson. Republicans were certain that domestic conspirators 
desired a connection with Great Britain in order to advance their plot and to bring the United States into the war against liberty in Europe. Similarly, the Federalists, aligned with Britain, suspected a connection between the Republicans and the French, which might involve America in the war and bring about a second and more violent revolution in the United States. Public opinion was inflamed by the contest between French and British factions, and political division assumed a ferocity seldom equaled. And Washington found it impossible to maintain the national harmony he desired and increasingly difficult to stay above the fray. Historians would, would dig and later dig up evidence of Jefferson's conduct, and especially Hamilton's conduct, their conduct, questionable conduct. Jefferson, in advancing the French position, and Hamilton, especially, in advancing the British position. All these liberals out there celebrating Hamilton. Now, look, Hamilton was a great man. Don't, don't misunderstand, but... If they really understood Hamilton, they like Hamilton because they think he was for big government and central government and the National Bank and National Monetary Center. All they go, well, yeah, it's national, it's centralized, we like it. They have no idea. Hamilton was more or less constantly involved in confidential, even clandestine communications with British agents or ministers from 1789. Now imagine what Robert Mueller would do with this. Jefferson came to suspect that Hamilton was secretly sabotaging his negotiations with foreign powers. Remember, Jefferson was Secretary of State. Hamilton was Secretary of the Treasury, particularly Britain. And this contributed to the frustrations that led him to resign, that is, Jefferson, his post at the end of 1793. Most historians have found Hamilton's actions improper, perhaps even damaging to the country's foreign relations, but have acquitted him of culpable misconduct. In the ideology of the New Republic, no danger was greater than the corruption of foreign intrigue and influence. No danger was greater. Do you see why I'm reading you this? These Mickey Mouse indictments, that's what they are. This started as an investigation to determine if the President of the United States had a clandestine relationship with the government of Russia to influence the election in a way in which he would win. Despite all the eavesdropping capabilities of the United States government, despite the FISA courts, despite the opposition research, despite Mueller's operations, they find nothing. So they look for the thinnest of tweed. But there's nothing. And today on the usual hate Trump network, CNN, MSNBC, and the rest, the drum beats, finally we have a connection to collusion. Ladies and gentlemen, they don't have anything. Nothing. And this has been a grand effort to sabotage this president. What happened next, ladies and gentlemen, in 1795 was something called the Jay Treaty. It was a treaty negotiated by the then Chief Justice of the United States, 
and uh, at the request of Washington, and at the urging of John Adams and the Federalists who were friendlier toward the British. The Jay Treaty was very controversial. It passed the Senate by one vote. See, back then they used to actually vote on treaties. It's controversial because Britain got almost everything it wanted. The United States got almost nothing. But Washington was gravely concerned that the nascent America was in no position to go to war again. When the terms of Jay's treaty were finally revealed, they write, the worst fears of Republicans, the Jeffersonians, seem to be confirmed. Most, though not all, modern students think that Jay could not have obtained better terms, but contemporary reaction was decidedly adverse. The Jay's treaty put an end to serious danger of war with Great Britain, but not with France. As, 19, as 1795 became 1796, French retaliation for the British treaty posed a growing danger, a danger war with the other great power of the world. In direct proportion, the president found himself the target for Republican attack. In the early years of his presidency, Washington had not been subjected to direct assault. Critics began to close on the president himself, only very gradually and with considerable caution, since Federalists had always found it useful to defend governmental policies by invoking the hero's prestige. In time, though, became increasingly difficult to deny that some decisions came from Washington himself. And a minority of Republicans, that is Jeffersonians, concluded that they could destroy the policies only by damaging the president's prestige. See another parallel? You destroy Trump. Then you destroy his presidency. And you destroy his policies. It was only when Washington signed Jay's treaty that he wrote an end to his immunity to the sharpest barbs of critical assault. To Republicans, Jay's treaty was the penultimate confirmation of their fears that a British interest was involved in a Federalist conspiracy to destroy Republican government in the United States. Remember how fresh the Revolutionary War had been at this point. Only a couple of decades away. And the ending of it was actually less than that. It was impossible to deny the president's agency in putting the treaty into effect, particularly after he refused on constitutional grounds to deliver papers relating to the negotiations to the House. Sound familiar? Thus, a minority of Republican writers deliberately set out to destroy the president's reputation with the people. Jay's treaty occasioned the assault, but the Republicans re-examined Washington's conduct as a whole. They rewrote their history of the Federalist conspiracy in such a manner as to impugn the president himself. Washington's last years in office were made in agony by such abuse. He was charged with exceeding his expense account. Old revolutionary forgeries were revived to impugn his patriotism. For a man whose sole remaining ambition was to retire, who felt he had sacrificed a lifetime to his country, the assault was absolutely insufferable. It was no consolation that his enemies probably damaged their own cause more than himself. 
it required considerable restraint to confine himself to warnings against evils of faction, the threat of sectional confrontation, and the dangers of undue affection for a foreign state. But this was Washington's only public response to the vicious opposition attacks. There's absolutely no evidence whatsoever that this president contacted the Russians, coordinated with the Russians, conspired with the Russians, or that any of his top deputies did. There's lots of evidence that Hamilton conspired with the British behind Washington's back. And now they have a play on Broadway that you can't even afford to go and to watch Hamilton. Hamilton. When we come back, we'll take a look at what Mr. Stone is charged with and the conduct of your government in arresting him. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. One hundred and seventy five years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its hundred and seventy fifth year, but in all of that time it still holds the same principles since eighteen forty four. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism. Not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. couple of facts, ladies and gentlemen. Number one, charges are allegations. I want to remind the clowns at CNN and MSNBC and some clowns all over the other networks. These are charges made by a prosecutor's office, which has been tainted politically. They haven't been tested. Nobody's had their due process rights yet. And the media are running around like this is it. Now we've got Trump for the 4,000th time. You don't have anybody. When you read through this indictment, and I won't bore you by reading sentence for for sentence. It's out there if you want to read it, but I've read it. Here's what we do know. Mr. Mueller was appointed to investigate collusion with Russia. The problem is there was no collusion with Russia on the Trump side, only on the Hillary side. He has decided to immunize Hillary and her surrogates. He doesn't want to see their emails, their texts. He doesn't want to question any of them in front of his grand jury. You see, that's not his mission. Now, he expands his mission left and right, but he never expands it to include Hillary and her ilk. 
First, it's important to know what's not in this indictment. No Russian collusion by Stone whatsoever. None. Stone didn't steal any of the DNC emails. He didn't have any direct access to them. So he was not involved in that. Even contacting or efforts to contact WikiLeaks, Assange and so forth, perfectly legal. So once again, we have a situation where the issues that are supposedly under investigation are not relevant to the indictment. Despite what clowns like Dan Abrams say and Jeff Tubin, two real big time fools. Now, what he's charged with is multiple times giving false statements to Congress. What he's charged with is trying to influence, of course, the uh, uh, a, a witness. Then he's charged with obstruction. Some of the charges are ex- exceedingly weak. But then I got to thinking. John Brennan lied to Congress. Nobody ever charged him with anything. James Clapper lied to Congress. Nobody ever charged him with anything. Eric Holder was held in contempt by Congress. Nobody ever charged him with anything. Why is that? All of a sudden, all these charges for people who are lying to Congress. Not saying they're not earned. I'm just saying, look how justice is applied here. Luckily for Congress, they can't be charged for lying to us. Because our prisons will be, would be filled with members of Congress. But let's not fool ourselves. This isn't about Roger Stone. It's not about Paul Manafort. It's not even about retired Lieutenant General Mike Flynn. It's not about any of them. It's an attempt to destroy the president. To defeat him in re-election. To create arguments, hooks that radical leftists who run these various committees can hold on to in an effort to try and impeach the President of the United States. I look at what's taking place now with this so-called government shutdown and it's going to be open for three weeks. This is all phony drama. Phony drama. But you learn a lot about it. You learn about Nancy Pelosi. That she is a radical ideologue and the whole country could burn down and it doesn't matter to her. Hers is a pursuit of power. And you look at Chuck Schumer, no different. Our borders are wide open. People are coming here who shouldn't be here. There should be an urgency to secure the border. And there's none. Because it doesn't advance their agenda. I've got a lot more when I return. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. 
For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. You know, I have enormous respect for a handful of reporters, real reporters. And Catherine Herridge is one of them. She's the chief intelligence correspondent for the Fox News Channel. How are you? Thanks for having me. Good. Well, it's a great pleasure. Okay. Where did what you... happened today <laughs> with Roger Stone? Um, well, for your listeners who are just picking up the story, uh, early this morning, about 6 a.m., uh, there was an FBI raid at Roger Stone's uh, home in Florida. He was arrested. And at about the same time, uh, an indictment was released. It's uh, 24 pages, uh, seven counts. Uh, the charges include uh, making false statements, uh, also obstructing a congressional investigation, and witness tampering, and it all centers around WikiLeaks. And just to sort of remind everyone, WikiLeaks is a website run by Julian Assange that at the height of the presidential election released these hacked emails from the DNC and the Clinton campaign. So the, the allegations center on what they say are false statements by Stone to a House group of investigators. So they're related, basically, to his testimony to the House Correct. Intelligence Committee. That's right. So he, Roger Stone was in front of the House Intelligence Committee in the fall of 2017, and uh, the, the, the indictment, and, and I encourage folks at home to read it for themselves because it's not that long. The mm -hmm. indictment alleges that he made false statements to the committee that obstructed their investigation, and they also, and I think the most compelling part of the indictment is this issue of witness tampering because there seems to be a pretty interesting, I'll say interesting or lengthy paper trail associated with that emails and text messages to a witness that they say Stone tried to um, or urged to make false statements to House investigators as well to sort of back up Stone's version of events. Well, you know, what's interesting to me about this. The judge gave him a quarter of a million dollar bond and he's out relatively low. Free, right? right. Mm -hmm. So uh, the the court. But, but, here, but, but here's my question. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So why all the FBI agents? Why all the drama? Why all the drawn guns? Why all the police lights? Why all that? As if he's a Chapo or somebody. Well, only the FBI and the special counsel can can really answer for those for those tactics. But I can tell you from my own experience that typically you see that kind of very vis uh, visible show of force. Uh, when there's uh, deep concern that the individual is a flight risk or there's a, a fear of violence or a destruction of evidence. And I'd point people to the, the sort of impromptu news conference that Stone gave after he appeared in federal court in Florida today. And he said the special counsel 
um, notified my my lawyer um, after they had raided the home. And if I had only been asked to come in, I would have done that, essentially, is what he said, which is typically what we, we would see in a case like this. Well, you know, in all my experience as a lawyer, that's exactly right. This would be considered in the so-called white crime area. Right. If it's even in the white crime area, it's kind of on the edge. I, I have to ask you this question. In all your years as a reporter covering these sorts of things, have you ever seen this many people prosecuted for misleading Congress? Well, I was giving a lot of thought to that issue um, the the other the other day because the 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 indictment with Roger Stone on its face is very consistent with with the prosecutorial model they used with Michael Cohen, the president's former personal attorney. In that case, they alleged that he lied to the Senate Intelligence Committee about this Moscow real estate project. But I can't cite a lot of cases that I can recall where congressional testimony was the foundational piece, rather, that was used to build a criminal indictment against an individual. And, you know, trying to take us out of the heat of the moment... I don't see why Congress would like this, because I tell you, if I have a client and there's a criminal investigation going on, even if my client, I don't believe, is a witness to anything or is even in danger of anything, I'm not allowing my client to testify. They can subpoena my client all they want. My client's not coming to Congress. Because of the legal exposure or potential legal exposure you're saying that's being illustrated here? Well, because it's exactly, it's a backdoor way. Right. To get somebody who's not going to appear in front of your grand jury, it's a backdoor way to get information and basically criminalize it. Well, I'm sure you're aware that the complaint from uh, Republicans is that uh, and they Republicans um, on Capitol Hill is they're not minimizing the, the serious nature of lying to federal investigators or or witness tampering. But they're saying, OK, if the issue is lying to Congress, then we have we believe other examples of individuals who have lied to Congress, either about the Russia investigation or the Clinton emails. So it should justice should be applied in a, in a uniform fashion or an equal fashion. In yes. Cases, right. Well, they're talking about Comey and Clapper and Brennan. And I mean, Eric Holder was held in contempt. The, the U.S. attorney's office didn't pursue that. I suspect I haven't talked to them. I don't I haven't heard them today. I suspect that's the sort of thing they're talking about. Right. Yeah, they're they're saying let's have uh, the same standard. Sarah Sanders, pardon me, um, said the same thing on the White House lawn this morning as the news was breaking. So let's have the same standard here. If if the standard is you can't lie to Congress, then it should be applied in a a uniform fashion. And if if I could, I would mention that um, late last night we broke a story here on Fox News, which I think raises some of these issues, and it has to do with the FISA warrant. This is a surveillance warrant for the Trump campaign aide Carter Page. And we were able to confirm testimony from a senior FBI lawyer, Sally Moyer. And in her testimony, she stated that she thought the chances of securing that surveillance warrant in October of 2016 were really only 50-50 without the Trump dossier. And the Trump dossier is that opposition research that was funded by the DNC and the Clinton campaign. And this is, I think, a very important, um, let's say admission, but confirmation, because it goes to the quality and the veracity of the information that was used with the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Court. And as you know, this is a very high bar. It's supposed to be verified um, information. And and what I would also say on that front is that the nominee to be Attorney General, William Barr, said very publicly in his Senate uh, confirmation hearings 
that that he will look at the FISA process and he will look to see if the court was misled or whether individuals um, violated the law or standards in any way, and he will and he will hold them accountable. And this is the kind of thing that Republicans are talking about. They're saying, okay, so if the standard is you can't lie to Congress, then we have to apply it to to everything, not just people who fall within the scope of the Mueller investigation. But here is what's confounding to me, Catherine. Mueller really is taking up the field in the Rush investigation, right? What do you mean but by taking up the field? Taking up the, he's the special counsel to investigate matter, uh, the interference of the Russians in the election, collusion, right. and so forth. But who investigates the pieces that he won't investigate? I mean, he's obviously, he either thinks he's not authorized to look into the dossier and all that, or, or even though he has expanded his investigation on multiple occasions, or he's just chosen not to. I wish I knew the answer to that, because I've wondered myself whether the scope could somehow include the opposition research, the dossier, how it was used, Christopher Steele, all of those elements, which I'm sure your listeners are, are, are well aware of. But I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate. I don't know the answer to that question, why it would or would not be included in that investigation. That's why I think the, the confirmation hearings for William Barr are so important is because he's gone on the record with the chairman of that committee, Lindsey Graham, and he said that he is bothered by what he's learned about the process, at least what he's read in the publicly available reporting, and that he'll look into it, and if he feels that uh, there were violations, and with the FISA court, some, that can easily cross the line to criminal violations, that he will hold people uh, accountable. Now, with Manafort today, uh, the same office, the special counsel's office, right. said that uh, uh, he shouldn't get any time for uh, t- any time off for his cooperation they're in there you know he's been lying to us he's been talking to other people i mean I, I, again i worked with 93 united states attorneys as a chief chief of staff to a to an attorney general this is heavy duty piling on the guy's already facing how many decades i don't know uh, it's it's really remarkable to me and this again has really nothing to do with the president of the united states well, I, it's important for folks at home to, to understand that the special counsel has now brought uh, prosecutions or gotten guilty pleas uh, against more than 30 people and, com- and businesses. But none of these publicly handled cases or prosecuted cases have alleged coordination between Russian officials and the Russian government and the Trump campaign. None, none of them have done that. I don't want to minimize what people call process crimes, like lying to investigators, tampering with witnesses, withholding evidence, all of those things are very serious things, but they're not going to that core issue, at least yet, of, of the Russian collusion question. But buried in the indictment today, and I'm trying to see if I have it handy on my desk, there is that link that goes into the Trump campaign. It says that Stone, it alleges that Stone was contacted by a senior person within the Trump campaign and directed to gather information from Julian Assange about the hacked emails. So that takes it into the campaign, but it's not clear from the indictment where that where that leads and whether getting information about your opponent from different sources constitutes some kind of crime, right? That's not what well, I, I can tell you myself that it does not right? constitute a crime. It just builds up this whole impeachment scenario. And some reporters are saying that's, Steve Bannon. Obviously, I have no idea who that is. 
But again, uh, the the oddity to me and a lot of my listeners is, okay, we have a Hillary Clinton campaign in DNC that washed their money through this law firm in the Fusion GPS. You've got this ex-spy who worked with, uh, he claims, certain you know, apparatchiks in the Russian government. Fine. Now we have, wow, we have this connection with the Trump campaign. We don't have anything yet with the Trump campaign. So, so, so this senior official tells, um, tells uh, Stone, you know, contact Assange and see what he has. Okay. Well, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what the indictment says. That's right. So I'm saying when you look at the publicly available records, that takes it into the campaign. But then the question is, like, what goes beyond that or what's not in the indictment that, that they have? Right. All right. So. Well, listen, I know you have to go. I want to thank you again for your time. I really appreciate your uh, your reporting. Well, thanks for the good questions. I threw wow. a couple back at you, too. So See that? And I didn't answer them. So yeah. what do you, you know. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, God bless. Thanks. Take okay. care of yourself. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. She is good, and she's a good reporter. And I ask those questions for a reason, because I want somebody to ask them. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu. Now, I'm going to comment on the president and Congress in this three-week the government's open. But I also want to tell you something else. The easiest thing for me to do is to get behind this microphone and start trashing the president of the United States. When I have my disagreements with President Trump, I let you know, and I do it respectfully. Because I think he's a man who tries to do the right things and who loves his country, unlike the radical left who constantly trash our traditions, trash our economic system. He does not do that. It's very lonely in the White House when you start to have Republicans peeling off in the Senate. And that's the problem he has right now. They're peeling off in the Senate, the Republicans. They're the weak underbelly. So people who say, attack him. What did this Ann Coulter say? He's the weakest president we've ever had or something like that. She's a moron. Her buddy Romney, who she loves so much, was one of the six who peeled off. She used to love McConnell and trash the Tea Party. And the libs love it. 
If I did that, I'd be on every network show in America. This three-week period is meaningless. The bottom line is the bottom line. If the president goes for amnesty, I'm out. I will be a critic. But if the president is fighting to secure the wall, I'm prepared to wait three weeks and see what happens. Now, we can argue over the tactics. I want to see the bottom line. The bottom line. This three weeks, to me, is relatively meaningless. You going to open the government for three weeks? We didn't even have this discussion before Trump was president. You would never have had this discussion under George W. Bush or George H.W. Bush or, over Rom- or if Romney had been president or the late McCain had been president. We wouldn't even be at this point where we're fighting these people the way we're fighting them. So just keep this in mind when all the 12-year-olds who are on cable and all the has-beens are blabbing away about this. If the president deserves criticism, great. But we're not done yet. And if it turns out that we're sold out, there'll be plenty of time to deal with it. I wasn't born yesterday. We led the battle right behind this microphone against so-called comprehensive immigration reform when most of the other hosts were on the fence. Or they even believed what Marco Rubio and others were saying. Not me. I never have and I never will. If they plan on giving these DACA uh, folks amnesty, count me out. But that hasn't happened yet. Maybe it will. And many of these same people are telling the president, don't use the one tool you have. The National Emergencies Act of 1976. I've really done a lot of studying on this law now. It's been used 42 times. And the never Trumpers are sitting in wait to attack the president of the United States. Like they're the purists. They're frauds. They're phonies. They're worse than the left. So-called constitutionalists are waiting. Never said a damn thing about the other 42 times it was used. This isn't what... Obama did with DACA. He didn't have any statutory basis for DACA. This is a congressional statute passed in 1976. It wasn't passed recently. Trump wouldn't be the only one using it. And then I hear this. Well, I guess I'm on the topic. I'll get back to Stone in a moment. Then I hear it said, look, the courts will block the president. Since when? Do presidents refuse to take action in anticipation of a court telling them no? Of anticipation of an Obama court telling them no? A president has his responsibilities and let the chips fall where they may in the federal courts, depending on which court it winds up with and so forth. Why? Because these people want to be able to tell you that they told you that the court would say no? Of course these district courts will say no. That's not where the battle is. It's in the Supreme Court. And many of these people have already told you, we've got a great court now that we have these two men on there, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch and so Well, let's see. But you don't surrender in advance in anticipation of a loss. You don't fight military battles that way. You don't fight political battles that way. And you don't conduct your presidency that way. Well, this could take a lot of time. Well, so what? president can't control that. The status quo on the border is the status quo on the border. In the meantime, you're fighting to try and secure that border. That's why what we learned 
over the last several days is that Nancy Pelosi is willing to destroy traditions in this country. She's willing to do anything in this country for power. That's the story that you won't hear on CNN and MSNBC and these phony left-wing websites. That's the story. Now, I've got more on this stone matter. I hope you'll stick with us. I'll be right back. From the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Now, you Levinites, you're smart. That's why you listen to this program. What you should be doing now is rather than giving the left media what they want to hear, their red meat, you should be pressuring your members of Congress, particularly your senators, to hold fast. I forget where I read it this morning or last evening that Vice President Pence was up meeting with the Republicans in the Senate. And he was getting trashed that they want this government opened and they want it open now. Six of them obviously came out of the closet the other day voting for the Schumer bill, including Ann Coulter's favorite, Mitt Romney. But others of them, including McConnell, another Ann Coulter favorite, was also pressuring Mike Pence to open a damn government. That's what your president's dealing with. And he also has people advising him who want to who want to cut a deal. So three weeks, who cares? Three weeks. And by the way, I want the Coast Guard paid and I want the TSA paid. I don't care so much the paper pushes and all the rest. I want the men and women in uniform, the men and women who are protecting us, paid. I mean, the food stamps are still going out. All that stuff's still going out. People who actually are carrying the burden of this society on their shoulders deserve our support. And I went through an airport today and I thanked the lady. You know, the TSA lady. And I thanked the gentleman. The two who uh, I dealt with. These are good people. But I also have a solution, ladies and gentlemen. If the TSA wasn't part of the government, now I remember when it was created after 9-11, and instead, if we had a private TSA, this wouldn't be a problem, would it? So why don't we privatize the TSA? Now, I'm not the first one to say this. It's something I've believed in. Dan Mitchell has a long piece on it. He's a, uh, he's a brilliant economist. So let's privatize. No, we'll never have that discussion. No, can't do that. Well, why not? And I think the employees at the TSA would like it more. They wouldn't have to go through this. The TSA is treated like some paper pusher at the Agriculture Department. They shouldn't be. The Coast Guard's treated like some paper pusher at the Department of Education, which shouldn't even exist. They shouldn't be. 
We don't even distinguish between the departments and the agencies and their tasks. Now it's 800,000 government work. Well, who are they? Who do they work for? That matters, doesn't it? No, you don't understand. So I'm reading in the media that Trump took a hit, that Trump lost, that Trump this, that Trump that. Trump will determine that based on what he does in three weeks. If, in fact, he sells out and surrenders on amnesty, then they were right. And if he doesn't, then they were wrong. But we have three weeks to participate in this process, ladies and gentlemen. It's a participatory process. We're in a republic. We don't get to vote on the issues, but we get to pressure our representatives. So everybody call Mitt Romney and tell him what a weasel he is. I mean, civilly tell him to stand up. And Susan Collins, who you all loved about three months ago, and this clown Murkowski from Alaska. Who else? I don't even remember. Lamar Alexander, he's not running again, so he, uh, you know, he's, he's a saint. But there are others. But all the Republican senators are beginning to buckle. That's what the president's dealing with. So what do you do? You trash the president. No, that's not right. If in the end, he doesn't do the right thing, then we'll address it. But he hasn't done the wrong thing. Not yet. I'm really sick and tired of hearing this stuff. I really am. So, if it turns out for the worst, we're not going anywhere. We'll address it. But now's the time to put the pressure on because only the government employees are pressuring, the government unions are pressuring, the media are pressuring, the Democrats are pressuring, some of the staff around him are pressuring. Well, guess what? There's millions of you. You don't have to sit there and stare at your radio. You can make calls, too. You can send emails, too. And you should. Go ahead and Google. See who the weaklings are. Any idiot can post an attack on their social media and then get written up all over the place. As I said, I can tell you right now, if I were blasting away at the president of the United States, I'd be invited on every damn Sunday show in America. That's not how I roll. That's not what I do. If I have my disagreements, you know why. I explain them. You either agree or disagree or maybe half agree and disagree. It doesn't matter. We're honest with each other here. Now, I want to get back to Roger Stone, a man I have deep contempt for because he tried to harm my name. But that doesn't matter in this regard. I am tired of reading these stories that the special counsel's office has unleashed. Basically, riot police. Against these guys. I've been around, as I said, a long time. I've seen a lot of U.S. attorneys at work. This is America, and I'm going to tell you, once we get through this phase in our history, which I believe the history books will treat very negatively, once we get through this, we need to fix this. And if this is what the FBI can be ordered to do, then the FBI needs to be changed. I agree with my buddy Joel Pollack. If this is the way it is, then it needs to be changed. Replaced, even. And if this is the way our laws work, then they need to be changed. 
because Stone, as of today, is an innocent man. So they go and get uh, congressional testimony and they indict him on that. That's, you know, everybody's saying, don't lie to Congress. I saw John Yu, a man I know well and respect. He was on Fox and he said, look, this is a lesson for everybody. You don't lie. You don't. Th- uh, uh, he hasn't been convicted of anything, Professor. He's been charged. But there's another lesson here if you understand the Constitution and you believe in due process, particularly when it comes to criminal matters that affect your liberty, your human existence. All this talk about criminal justice reform. If a prosecutor can take congressional testimony, and if somebody says something a different way three or four times, and I'm not saying that's this case, I'm saying if, or somebody forgets their emails because he writes zillions of damn emails, and they can study them and study them and study them, and they can use that to charge you by going around the usual criminal justice processes, there's a problem with that. And there's also a problem when men who lie through their teeth behind a microphone on television, like Comey, like Clapper, like Brennan, they not only walk freely, they're on TV shows passing judgment on Roger Stone and other people. Something is seriously wrong with this. And as I was saying to Catherine Herridge, I don't quite get this setup where we have a special counsel who apparently takes up the field when it comes to investigating Russia. But they play it both ways. No, 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 you don't understand, Mark. His mandate is to investigate the extent to which Russia and the Trump campaign colluded. Say, okay, what about all this other stuff that doesn't involve the Trump campaign colluding with anybody? Well, you know, Mueller's not looking at it. Well, who is? Who the hell's looking at it? What's the name of the U.S. attorney? What's the name of the prosecutor? Who's looking at it? Give us their name. There isn't any. Now, Mr. Mueller keeps going to Mr. Rosenstein to expand his investigation. But he never asked to expand it where Russia is slapping him right in the face. Now, why is that? We know why it is. We know why it is. And I have gotten so concerned about this. I've decided, honestly, this is not a promotion, but you think about it. That on my Fox Sunday show, this is really where I can do it to reach the most people other than radio. My single guest is Sidney Powell. Now, a caller called in and suggested it. We were already thinking about it, but I want to thank the caller anyway. She's a former assistant United States attorney. She served under nine different U.S. attorneys, Democrat and Republican appointed. And she is litigated against Andrew Weissman. And you're going to learn more about how this special counsel's office operates and the invisible hand behind Mueller and all the activities going on. Because what you see that happened to Stone today, what you see that happened to Manafort months ago, also happened to the Enron executives, to the Anderson executives, to four Merrill Lynch executives. 
And you're going to see what the Supreme Court ruled. You're going to see what some appellate courts ruled. This guy, Weissman, has been given more and more responsibilities, more and more power by Mueller over the course of the last 20 years. Roger Stone is not a serious person. He's a joke. He's a gossiper. He stirs the you-know-what. He's easy pickings for a prosecutor who's just out to do damage. And we should absolutely object to that as a people. If these guys can do this to powerful people, to famous people, they will roll over you in two seconds. First, they bankrupt you. Then they're out to destroy you. There is no reason for Mueller to still be going after Manafort in Washington, D.C. When it's got an arm-long list of, of uh, guilty decisions in Virginia, where Manafort's going to be spending an incredible amount of time in prison, depending on his appeal. Roger Stone in Florida today, he spoke to the American people, and when we come back, I want you to hear this. Many of you, you know, actually, actually worked during the day, and you didn't hear this. Those of you who are listening, I want to play this for you. I'll be right back. Lovin. You know, this acting Attorney General Whitaker turned out to be the biggest joke. Biggest joke. He's obviously scared to do anything. He should be overseeing or ordering, I should say, a leak investigation of Mueller's operation. You have to be a clown to believe CNN just showed up at Roger Stone's home in Fort Lauderdale. Why didn't they go to his home in New York, Mr. Producer? That was search too, you know. And the producer for CNN said, look, we knew something was going on. They never have a grand jury, you know, hearing on Thursdays. Uh, yes, there are grand jury hearings, uh, activity on Thursdays, but not the Mueller one, Mark. What judges do sometimes when they're short on grand jurors, they will have a grand jury listen in on other cases, too. So they overlap. I'm not saying that this grand jury's ever done that. But it occurs to this producer for CNN. There they are meeting on Thursday, ladies and gentlemen. It must be about Roger Stone. Well, why would it be about Roger Stone? Why would it be around? Why, why wasn't it about Corsi or Bannon? Or God knows who. Roger Stone. So CNN just happens to be at Roger Stone. The guy shows up at 5 a.m. in the morning, a producer. Takes about 30 minutes to set up your cameras. He didn't show up at midnight. He didn't have an all-nighter just in case the raid was, you know, at midnight or something. He seemed to know exactly what the hell was going on. Now, Mark, you have no proof. I don't need proof. That's what the Justice Department is for. It's called rationality. 
This isn't a coincidence. This producer didn't figure this out because the grand that's the cover story. The same media that has all these lines connected to Trump. Oh, look, Trump did this, Trump did that. Time and time again, the shoe is dropped, the shoe is dropped, the shoe is dropped. Here, you have to believe that CNN's producer figured out in Washington, D.C., that because the grand jury was meeting on a Thursday, that the next day, the FBI or somebody was going to raid Stone. Uh, Stone's home in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Mr. Whitaker, are you a clown? You coward? Or are you going to do your job? And notice it was CNN that was there, which is the most vile, quite frankly, even worse than MSLSD these days, which is the most vile, phony news footprint out there. CNN. It's amazing. Nobody else could figure it out. They're just uh, this producer smarter than all the producers put together in the mass media, smarter than the fools at the New York Times, smarter than the fools at the Washington. This producer figured it out. I don't believe it for a minute. I think the same anal exam that Mr. Mueller and Mr. Weissman give their targets should be given to Mr. Mueller and Mr. Weissman. They should be questioned about their emails, their texts. They should all have that information subpoenaed. A subpoena deuces take them. Just take the material. A leak investigation. It would blow this thing to high heaven. Just like the senior level of the FBI. The issue wasn't who leaked, but who didn't leak. And I'm telling you that's going on at a Mueller's office. It's one of the reasons Mueller and his operation is treated the way it's treated by the media. They want to take out Trump. And they're getting a lot of information. They didn't treat Ken Starr this way. I don't know if any other prosecutor has been treated this way other than Archibald Cox. But this has all the fingerprints, all the DNA. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But there's enough here to trigger a leak investigation. This cover story that they were in on Thursday... And I figured it had to be stone. So, we, you know, we staked it out. We went there at 5 a.m. They knew the time. They knew the place. They knew the person. The fact that the grand jury is there on Thursday doesn't tell you, you know, the time, the place, and the person, or that you could even logically figure that out. Nonsense. Absolute nonsense. And it's not like stone was dragged before the grand jury. This indictment mostly involves testimony he gave to Congress over a year ago. I'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 
833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLEVIN.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. Oh. So here's the story tonight. Nothing in this indictment has anything to do with the President of the United States, Russia collusion, or anything of the sort. And look at all the hysteria. Look how the media want to create our reality all weekend long. I want to tell you folks, you watch these Sunday news shows, you're out of your minds. What can we do about the media? Stop watching them. Stop listening to them. Of course, you can watch me at 10 p.m. Eastern on Sunday. I'm going to have a hell of a show. We're going to dig into this stuff. And if you get tired of watching it, then I'll stop doing it. But you got to stop watching these Sunday morning and early afternoon shows. They're going to drive you nuts because you know what they're about, their own reality. It's always about government, always about Washington. Mueller's great. Prosecutor's great. Trump the devil. Trump's people are the devil. This one might really get to Trump. This shows collusion. Why do you do this to yourselves? You know what I'll be doing Sunday morning, Mr. Producer? I'll go out and get a couple of bagels. That's what I'm going to do. It should be bagel Sunday, ladies and gentlemen. Bagel Sunday. You want these these uh, news companies to change? That's what they are, the news companies. You want them to change their Sunday shows? Don't watch them. Their ratings plummet. That's what you do. You know, sleep is essential for good health. If your New Year's resolution has to do with being healthy, or by the way, if you just know you need to get healthier, it probably does, start by improving your sleep with a brand new set of bowl and branch sheets. They're the softest and most comfortable sheets you'll ever feel, and they only get softer over time because they're made with pure 100% organic cotton, and that's the key. Wake up refreshed every single morning this year on a new set of bowl and branch sheets. They have thousands, thousands of five-star reviews, and they are loved by hundreds of thousands of Americans, including me and some former presidents, too. Head to bowlandbranch.com right now. It's B-O-L-L and branch.com. Get 50 bucks off your first set of sheets plus free shipping, but you got to use promo code MARK. I don't have to spell Mark, do I? It's M-A-R-K. It's spelled B-O-L-L and branch.com. Promo code Mark. Get $50 off. Bowlandbranch.com. Promo code Mark. I'm telling you, you really ought to use them. You really ought to get them. It'll make a big difference. I know there's things on sale. You can get them cheaper and so forth. You know what happens when you get cheap stuff? You always have to buy more of it. Get something that's really good. And substantive. You know, take care of yourselves. Not to just pay Uncle Sam and give to this one, give to the give to yourself. Give to your spouse. And you can do it right here. It's B O L L and Branch dot com promo code mark branch dot com promo code mark. How do you know, Mark? Because we have those sheets. That's how I know. All right, earlier today. First of all, I want you to imagine something. You gave testimony to Congress over a year ago. You don't really remember every single email you ever wrote or text you ever wrote. And next thing you know, the special counsel's office, who you didn't give testimony to, or maybe you did, but it's unrelated to this, 
sends a couple dozen FBI agents at 6 a.m. in the morning yelling, screaming at you. And it goes something like this. Here's Roger Stone in Florida today. Cut 11, go. This morning, uh, at the crack of dawn, 29 FBI agents arrived at my home with 17 vehicles with their lights flashing uh, when they could simply have contacted my attorneys and I would have been more than willing to surrender voluntarily. Uh, They terrorized my wife, my dogs. Uh, I was taken to the FBI facility, Uh, although I must say the FBI agents were extraordinarily courteous. Uh, I will plead not guilty to these charges. I will defeat them in court. I believe this is a politically motivated investigation. Uh, I am troubled by the political motivations of the prosecutors. Uh, And as I have said previously, there is no circumstance whatsoever under which I will bear false witness against the president, nor will I make up lies to ease the pressure on myself. I look forward to being fully and completely vindicated. I, I have to say, with Manafort and him, these are tough guys, Mr. Producer. At least as far as I can tell, till they show otherwise. Because, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, with the Manafort situation now, and they have been in solitary confinement, that's how they had John Gotti treated. That's, that's how you handle terrorists if they don't go to Guantanamo. And what Roger Stone has said here, after just experiencing this, this, uh, this unbelievable arrest, these are pretty tough people. And I don't mean tough like, whoa, look at that. No, I mean people who really believe in what they're saying. Otherwise, why would they say it? They want a pardon, Mark. Well, maybe, maybe not. But still it ruins their lives. It breaks their backs. They lose all their money. Whereas if they would, quote unquote, turn state's evidence. They would be treated like kings and queens. Like Michael Cohen, you might say. More. Cut 12. Go. Since I was not contacted prior uh, to the charges today, and my lawyers have not talked to the special prosecutors, I don't want to address that question. But I have made it clear I will not testify against the president because I would have to bear false witness against him. Nobody cares what he says. They only care what the prosecutor says. And they only care what this prosecutor says. They didn't much care what Ken Starr said. I remember when they used to have TV cameras at Ken Starr's home. Every time he would come out of his house, remember? Go to his car, had a cup of coffee. There'd be a running video of him. They would be trashing video. uh, Excuse me, trashing Starr, trashing his staff. You want to know one of the real reasons they went after Kavanaugh? But they'll never tell you this. Because he was on Ken Starr's staff. They don't treat him like Andrew Weissman. It's really bad in this country right now, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. If you're a liberal Democrat, you've got to be smiling, having a blast, when the criminal justice system is able to be abused for your political motivations. 
when the media are almost uniformly in your back pocket. You could look at Chuck Todd today. You could look at all of them today. They're telling you that this is Armageddon for Trump. It's so pathetic. And that's why when this report is released by Mueller, these very same people who don't have an honest bone in their body are going to see in every single syllable an impeachable offense. Just better get ready for it. That's why you got to fight these next three weeks on the wall because they're crucial. You have Republicans who are buckling and not just the six who voted with Schumer. Probably half of them at this point. David Shortell is the CNN producer who figured it out. Son of a gun. He's the CNN producer who figured out that at 6 a.m. or thereabout today, an army of FBI agents, among others, local police, the marshals, you name it, would show up at Roger Stone's home. He just knew because the grand jury had been in place, been active that Thursday. He knew that the next day, early in the morning, the FBI in Moss would be going to Roger Stone's home in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This guy's great. I mean, he, he's, a, he's a Svengali. And Allison Camarado, always the intrepid reporter, Digs in. Now, here you have a CNN anchor person who is a leftist interviewing a CNN producer. Cut 10, go. But what's so fascinating is that we've talked to his attorney. The attorney didn't know this was coming. Clearly, Roger Stone didn't know this was coming. You were staked out at his house. You didn't know that this was coming. Why were you there in position? Allison, it's, it's a reporter's instinct. The whole Russia team thought maybe something was happening. There was some unusual grand jury activity in Washington, D.C. yesterday. The grand jury, Robert Mueller's grand jury. Typically let, me stop. Let, me, let, me, let me tell you what actually happened here. And if we get a leak investigation, I think this will be borne out. They were there at the Washington, D.C. courthouse where the uh, grand jury meets. The grand jury finished and somebody tipped these guys off. That's exactly what happened. And they think you're so stupid. They think the American people are so stupid that you're going to buy this. They were tipped off. Go ahead. Yesterday, a Thursday, there was grand jury activity. We also had some other signs that maybe something was going on this angle, the Roger Stone angle. So we... What what other signs did you have on the Roger Stone angle as opposed to somebody else? They were tipped off. That's the sign. Go ahead. This morning, we were the only ones there, and lo and behold, the FBI agents did come and arrest them. I'll, I'll make a note. When Paul Manafort, uh, uh, President Trump's former campaign director, was arrested, he surrendered at an FBI field office in Washington. He walked in the front door with his lawyers, and that was in the morning around 8 or 9 a.m. I was there as well for that uh, surrender. This very different. What does that have to do with anything, Mr. Producer? Why would he bring that up? I'm not even understanding his point. Um, This is very different. And just to show you how outrageous this is, the judge gave Mr. Uh, Stone $250,000 bond. He's out free today, as you saw. There was no need 
for the army of FBI agents and other federal and state and local law enforcement. None whatsoever. Well, they're sending a signal. No, they're not. They're trying to crush him and destroy him. We don't need signals, by the way. This is a criminal justice system. You won't hear any of the same leftists or libertarians who are talking about criminal justice reform talk about it in this instance. And when you watch, as I have, some of these people on CNN and MSNBC, they are excited. They are thrilled. Chuck Todd and all the others. They think this is going to hurt the president in a significant way. And they want to see Roger Stone hanging from a telephone pole. They want to see Manafort in his solitary confinement, maybe harming himself. They want to see this stuff. It's really cool. It's really good, you know. Then they'll add up the number of people who have been indicted. Well, why don't you add up the number of people who've been indicted for collusion or conspiracy to collude or anything seriously related to interfering with the election on behalf of the Russians? You come up with zero. Zero. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. When it comes to costly car repairs, folks, you need options, right? I think, I think we all do. Instead, you're often stuck bargain hunting for the best deal because who can afford to fork over thousands of dollars for a repair? And it doesn't take long to get the thousands of dollars, does it? You can put a price on your family's safety and security on the road, but we don't want to do that. That's why I've extended vehicle protection from CarShield, and I think you should too. Let's see here. Somebody's annoying me. Uh, let's see. CarShield makes the process of fixing your car for a covered repair super easy. Now, what do I mean by that? You, ha- you can have your favorite mechanic or dealership do the work. It's your choice. And they also provide 24-7 roadside assistance and a rental car while yours is being fixed. Absolutely free. Now, everybody doesn't do that either. Now, if your car has 5,000 to 150,000 miles doesn't mean you have to pay, you know, high repair bills. So do what I do. Get CarShield. I have it on our 2010 Camaro. CarShield administrators have paid out close to $2 billion in claims, and they're ready to help you. Get covered by the ultimate in extended vehicle protection like we did. Call 800-CAR-6100. Mention code LEVIN. Or visit carshield.com. Use code LEVIN. Either way, you'll save 10%. That's carshield.com, code L-E-V-I-N, or call 800-CAR-6100 and mention code LEVIN. A deductible may apply. All right. All right, let's take some of your calls. We haven't taken any calls yet. Let's see. Robert Schofield, Wisconsin, the great WSAU. Hey, Mark. Go ahead. Um, there were media reports. And I just was wondering if I get your take on a couple of them. Uh, one of them was that uh, he was uh, Roger was led into the court in handcuffs and shackles today. That's I don't correct. Know that, and is that typical for this kind of a of a uh, um, uh, an indictment? Well, is- they they can typically they'll put handcuffs on somebody and bring them into court, not necessarily shackles. 
Yeah, so a little extreme. And then there were reports. No, no, and, and, and let's be clear about something. The FBI doesn't do this on its own. They're told what to do. Okay. This whole thing is orchestrated, just so everybody understands. Well, and if they can do this to him, they can do this to anyone, I guess. But That's uh, right. Um, and then also there were reports that there was um, a, a search of his properties. Um, That's right. He has another place in New York, apparently. Would a warrant for obstruction of justice and uh, perjury give them the latitude to do a search? Well, apparently so. I mean, a judge has to sign off on it, right? Okay, so they sign off on the whole aspect, or is this possibly an overreach? In, uh, it's not an overreach. I just think the way they conducted themselves is an overreach. And the bottom line is, is it sending a signal to anyone that wants to be part of the Trump administration? All right. Well, your guess is as good as mine. I think what's going on here is right in front of our eyes. I think we all see it Uh, in terms of getting a warrant. You got to go to a federal judge. You can't just, uh, you know, get one from the hot dog stand down the street. And this is a problem, too. We have a federal judge in Washington, D.C., an Obama appointee who rules against Manafort's lawyers every single time. Uh, and I believe she's a partisan. And this isn't the first time they've been partisans. Thank you for your call. And I would remind you, Mr. Chief Justice, during the presidency of John Adams, when the Alien and Sedition Acts were in place, part of the problems for the Jeffersonian Republicans was that Adams and his people were locking up people that they disagreed with, which is really quite shocking. And these cases would be heard by Adams-appointed judges who were approved by a Federalist um, Senate. So when the Chief Justice of the United States says there are not Obama judges or Clinton judges, or he's a liar. He knows there are. He sits with some of them. I know there are, and I know he knows there are, and I know when he worked in the Reagan administration, he knew it. Paul, Colorado Springs, Colorado, the great KVOR, go. Hey, uh, Mark, first of all, I want to say thank you so much for um, the legacy that you and your father gave me in that I've always listened to the way you honor your dad, and, and I try and, so and, hard. And by the way, my mom, too. She, was a, she is and has been crucial in our lives. But go right ahead, Paul. Thank you. And I, and I try to honor my parents the way you honor yours, and, it, and it's, it's helped me. I, I'll life. tell you what, Paul. I'm going to hold you over to the next hour. Uh, I was a little off on the clock, and you didn't have enough time, and I don't want to cut you off. So, Paul, hang in there. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, it's the last hour of the week. You won't want to miss it. I'll be right back. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? how much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now, you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. 
Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Everybody, Mark Levin here. Our number 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I want you to listen to these geniuses now on TV. Chuck Todd is a disgrace. Jeffrey Tubin is as well. Let's listen to Todd first. He's on MSLSD today. Cut 15, go. But the, to me, the scary thing here for the president is he's sitting here tweeting no collusion. You're thinking, you didn't read the indictment. This is actually the, this is the first Mueller indictment that lays out a collusion case. Now, again, it's collusion between WikiLeaks and the Trump campaign with Roger Stone as the conduit. All right, stop. Folks, Roger Stone was not working for the Trump campaign. The president had publicly distanced himself from Roger Stone. That doesn't mean they weren't still associated and friends and so forth. But if you're going to be a journalist, you got to get your facts straight. And you can listen to the excitement in his voice. Almost as if it was the BuzzFeed story or the Covington, Kentucky story. Look at the leap he makes. Go ahead. We know the Mueller is alleged that the Russian government gave it to WikiLeaks. What we don't know is was Stone, Trump, were they also aware of all of this, too? That's the, that here are dots. Whoa, 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 where do you get that from? That they were aware that the Russian government gave it to them. He just throws that out there. Now, this is a guy who's not only the host of Meet the Press. He's the chief political journalist, correspondent for NBC News. He just flops it out there. Go ahead. Then we have Jeffrey Tubin on CNN. Cut 16, go. I think that may be an extremely important use of the passive voice in that indictment. Was directed. First of all, he's supposed to be a lawyer. If a prosecutor, a prosecutor's office writes that Stone was directed. What does Stone say about being directed? Now, you see Stone on TV. He's a bit of a circus clown. But does he say he was directed by somebody? Where's the evidence for that? Well, no evidence is established for that other than the allegation using those words in the charge. That's it. Go ahead. Trump campaign officials. It sounds to me, and again, I only want to say it just sounds to me. All right, so stop. If it's true, is now it sounds to me. If it's true, now it sounds to me. Go ahead. Like that could be Donald Trump himself. Now, he has no idea. And in fact, other stories suggest it's Steve Bannon. But this idea, he was directed by Steve Bannon. Maybe he talked to Bannon and Bannon said, you know, you might want to do this. I don't know. Nobody knows. 
But where does he say, where does he get off saying Donald Trump? It sounds to me, if it's true, it might be Donald Trump. Now, you see, what I've been doing my entire career on the radio, ladies and gentlemen, when we play audio, is break it down piece by piece. Now, other hosts do this now, too, but I want you to know where it started. I break it down piece by piece. That's what I do. That's what I've always done. Go ahead. Because that who else would direct campaign officials to now be this guy's touch? a lawyer. Look, who else out there might tell uh, Roger Stone that he might want to check in with WikiLeaks and Assange? It's got to be Trump. What kind of a discussion is this? Go ahead. I mean, that it it is um, highly suggestive that. Oh, it's highly suggestive. Wow. Good reporting there, legal analyst over there at the CNN Constipated News Network. Go ahead. Uh, Candidate Trump himself told his officials to get in touch with Stone and and find out what's going on. Now, first of all, if candidate Trump had done that, there'd be no problem whatsoever. It's still not collusion with the Russians. Right? It would be a contact with WikiLeaks. Collusion with the Russians would be the Hillary Clinton campaign in the DNC that actually paid for a document that had to involve Russian apparatchiks. There you have it. Go ahead. Remember, of course, this is while he was campaigning, saying, I love WikiLeaks. So it's not like he thought WikiLeaks is the outlaw organization that his CIA director later described it to be. This, I think, the use of the passive voice in that sentence. Shut up, you idiot. You're ranting and whining. You're going on and on. You're incoherent. But they love you over there at CNN. Now, here's what's interesting to me. You have the Washington Compost that became famous in part from the Pentagon Papers, right? Papers stolen from the Pentagon, Daniel Ellsberg and so forth. You can Google it. People aren't familiar with this. We have the media in this country that is constantly using leaks, anonymous sources without attribution, right? That's their bread and butter. That's their bread and butter. That's fine. So I'm even talking theoretically here. So if a campaign contacts WikiLeaks and is wondering if they have certain types of information, and we don't know that to even be true, all of a sudden, holy mackerel, can you believe this? Oh, my God. Why weren't Mr. Tubin and Mr. Todd interested themselves in what WikiLeaks had? Is it because it was problematic for their friend and their candidate, Hillary Clinton? Why wouldn't they want to know what WikiLeaks has? I'm talking about the media. Why wouldn't Chuck Todd and Jeffrey Tubin want to know? Well, it was stolen. They deal in this stuff all the time. Incredible, isn't it? All right, I want to move on. Just because the hour is drawing close here and closing, and I, I only have this period left before the weekend. Elizabeth Warren. I hope Tommy Christopher over there at uh, Mediaite, Dan Abrams' site, of course, he was a kook today, too. I hope he's listening carefully. Maybe he's in some kind of a stupor. I don't know. You see this guy's picture, Mr. Producer? 
Holy mackerel. Anyway, a paper bag would work, Tommy. And he's all excited that I mention his name. Elizabeth Warren. You want to hear what she has to say about her proposal directly? Listen to this. And she's asked by Chris Hayes over at MSLSD. Cut 17, go. The first thing I hear when I look at this and talk to other people is they're going to get out of it. If you pass this and you try to go. Well, let's to stop. So get out of what? The wealth tax. They're going to get out of the way. So his concern over there at MSLSD, this guy, Chris Hayes, the concern is you're going to put this tax in place on wealth and somehow they're going to get around it. Not the fact that she's going to put it in place, but that somebody might get around it. Go ahead. Or you try to come after Donald Trump's assets or any of these people, they are going to find a way to get out of it. What Isn't this amazing about? that we're having this discussion at all? What do you say about that, uh, Elizabeth? What do you say about that? You're going to come after Donald Trump's assets or any of these people, and they're going to find a way to get out of it. What do you say about that? You can't allow that, can you? Sick. What does she say? Go ahead. I say, you think I didn't see that one coming? So the way that this is written is to say, first of all, going to tax all your assets wherever located around the globe. So if you were planning to move them to Switzerland or some island, doesn't make any difference. They are all going to be taxed. And the second part of it is we're going to build right into the uh, administration of this tax that it has a very high rate of monitoring, of auditing the rich people on the ultra-millionaire tax. So we're going to be out they're counting them and watching them and the third part of it is you know once you identify these assets it's actually not that complicated and hard because unlike some other places that tried to build this this one isn't going to have a bunch of exceptions this one says all your assets wherever located and we're going to keep counting and you're going to have to pay if you have more than 50 million dollars in assets this is the ultra rich you're going to have to pay two percent a year of that amount absolutely incredible absolutely incredible and many in the democrat party think this is great many in the media think this is great absolutely incredible where's the constitutional authority for this i know that's a quaint question where's the constitutional authority for doing something like this what do you think the revolutionaries would have done back then Well, they clearly would have revolted, wouldn't they? And don't worry, everybody. It's the ultra-rich. Not you. Not you. We talked about this last night. Okay, so I own a business. And I have lots of assets in this business. In fact, I've poured a lot of capital into this business. And we're going to tax you at 2%. So at $50 million in assets, if I understand, 2% a year, by the way. 2% a year. What's that, a million bucks? On top of that, we want to make sure we tax you, depending on uh, what tax bracket uh, they decide to settle on, uh, over any, a dollar over $10 million that you earn, we're going to hit that at 70%. If you list, live in... Uh, One of these blue states, we're going to slam you there, too. There's no discussion about how to create success, how to create wealth, 
to create businesses, how to invent things, how to produce things, how to attract money into this country. It's incredible. And listen how they talk like fascists over there at Mediate. Well, they wouldn't know. Like fascists. That's two. And if you're planning to move them to Switzerland or some island, doesn't make any difference. They're all going to be taxed. We're going to build right into the administration of this tax that it has a very high rate of monitoring, of auditing. The rich people on the ultra-millionaire tax. We're going to be out there counting them, watching them. Basically, they're going to steal their property. They're going to steal their wealth. We're not even talking about income now, revenue. We're talking about assets. They're going to steal their wealth. And everybody will be happy because it goes to this big thing, this big, uh, this big chunk of jello that we call the federal government. And, of course, we know the federal government will do good things. It'll spread around the wealth. It'll take care of people because that's what the federal government do does. As for all of you in the private sector, you're the takers. You're the takers. Now, she wants to be your president. Cut 18, go. And here's the deal about the money, though. I want to underline this part. It's to use that money to build opportunity. Oh, cool. They're going to build opportunity. The government's going to build opportunity. More on that when I return. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Let us go back to cut 18 and start at the top. Elizabeth Warren on her wealth tax. Now, keep something in mind. It's a confiscation act. It's an act of confiscating somebody's property. That's what it is, pure and simple. And we don't do that in this country, do we? I guess we do. Cut 18, go. And here's the deal about the money, though. I want to underline this part. It's to use that money to build opportunity for the rest of America. So this is. Oh, you don't have enough money to do that, do you? Twenty two trillion in the hole in fiscal operating debt. Two hundred fifty trillion in the hole in unfunded liability. We don't have enough government, enough program. Tell me. Which agency and department is going to create opportunities, help build opportunities with more money? Which one is it? Look at these coconuts in Congress. You believe this crap? Which agency and department of government and which bureaucrats are going to create opportunities for Americans? I mean, she's got it ass backwards. Go ahead. About this, over the next decade, we could produce just short of three trillion dollars. That's the kind of money where we could. They want to steal. We're not even talking about income tax. They want to steal over the next decade three trillion dollars in wealth, in assets that have to be liquidated. Take it out of the private sector so the government can create opportunity. And she goes on. As you're about to hear in a long laundry list of government programs, many of which already exist. Go ahead. High quality child care for all of our kids. It's the kind of money where we could do real relief on student loan debt. It's the kind of money where we could make a real start on a Green New Deal. It's the kind of money where we could bring down. You know the cost. what? Get me out of here. 
Get me out of here. I feel, ladies and gentlemen, like in so many ways we're now living in a liberal-created insane asylum with padded walls. And there's some of us who see it, and then the others are bouncing off the walls. These ideas they have are not new. They've been tried on humanity, and they've been a disaster. Why would you take the greatest country on the face of the earth? And it's the greatest country on the face of the earth because we have not done the things she wants to do. And turn it into a crap hole. Because Elizabeth Warren and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, whatever, Cortez, and a few others have these grand ideas. We're going to have a $15 minimum wage. What, what is that based on? Because we insist. Free college. What, what? We insist. Single payer. What? We insist. Bernie Sanders? Has he ever created any jobs? No. Elizabeth Warren? A phony from the top to the bottom? Ocasio-Cortez? What are we dealing with here? Go ahead. Healthcare. It's the kind of money where you give somebody. Ah, shut up. I can't handle her. Mark, why do you holler? The issue is why doesn't everybody else? Why doesn't everybody? Well, it won't make a difference. Of course it'll make a difference. I have passion for this country, don't you? I have passion for liberty, don't you? We have men and women who do more than yell. We have men and women who fight for this country overseas to protect our liberty. Not the wealth tax. Not the new green deal or the green new deal. You know, they create these words. They repeat them over and over again. These big lies. They become part of the discussion because we live in their reality. We live in the media. Democrat generated me out a reality. And so we use their world all of a sudden. Climate change. Nobody said climate change. Now it's climate change. If you don't agree with it, you're a denier. Now it's the Green New Deal. The what? The Green New Deal. What? Repeat after me four billion times. The Green New Deal. The Green New Deal. Oh, now, now, oh yes, we need the Green New Deal. And Chuck Todd, we need a Green New Deal, period. And we will not discuss otherwise. You're a Green New Deal denier. I'll be right back. Levin, the voice liberals fear most. And you can call Mark at 877-381-3811. Over the last couple of weeks, I've been talking with you about the cost of prescription drugs. I want to share some more facts with you, and I think this is very important. Democrats in Congress are targeting drug prices and government-run health care as top legislative priorities for 2019. And several Republicans have joined with them. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar has already unveiled plans to help the Democrats socialize drugs by importing foreign price controls and restricting Medicare beneficiaries from accessing certain drugs prescribed by their own doctors. But I want you to listen carefully to this. According to the White House's own Council of Economic Advisors, the prices for prescription drugs accounting for inflation actually fell almost 3% over the last 12 months. 
And these prescription drug companies invest $90 billion a year looking for the next life-saving and life-improving prescription drugs. Now, you have to wonder why Secretary Alex Azar doesn't look south at, at Venezuela, doesn't look at the socialist systems in Europe, and doesn't reject them. Why is he helping the Democrats socialize medicine when his own administration reports that the market's working? Drug prices are actually going down. Bernie Sanders, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, so forth. Well, they may love this plan, but everywhere it's tried, ladies and gentlemen, you know in my audience, socialized medicine is a disaster. Scarcity. Fewer choices. Worst of all, fewer life-saving breakthroughs. The real cost? Lives and quality of life. Get the facts. Go to TrueHealthFacts.com, TrueHealthFacts.com. That's TrueHealthFacts.com. Paul has been waiting now for some time, and I want to get back to him. Colorado Springs, the great KVOR. Go right ahead, Paul. Hey, Mark. I really feel betrayed, not by Trump, but by um, Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell. They had two years to figure out this, uh, the wall and to figure out immigration. And they did nothing. Obama had two years with uh, 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 Democrat Senate and and House, and he got the disaster of Obamacare pushed through. And we got Mm -hmm. nothing. We got nothing out of these guys. No. When they're in the minority, we lose. Uh, When we're in the majority, we lose. When When we're in the minority, we get rolled. Look, Nancy Pelosi controls the House. We control the Senate and the presidency. The fact is, let's be honest, that party, despite all the kooks at different uh, levels of leftism, when they have to stick together, they stick together. In the end, when they have to vote together, they vote together. Our people do not. Our people, and now we have uh, now Mitt Romney, who thinks he's the leader of the band here or something or other. You can count on, uh, on, the, uh, on the one from Alaska and the other one from Maine, and I can't remember all their names, Collins and Murkowski. You can count on them. They'll vote with Schumer, even when you need a steady line. You wouldn't want these people in a foxhole with you. You wouldn't want them anywhere near you. All right, Paul, I want to thank you for waiting. Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget, folks, I'm quite serious. A very, very important Life, Liberty, and Levin, Sunday at 10 p.m. They're always compelling, I feel. They're always entertaining, I feel. They're always informative, I feel. This one is must-watch. I don't get more money or less money. I'm telling you, this one is very important. So if you're not around to watch it, I hope you will tape it or record it, I guess they say. Record it. But honestly, I hope you'll watch it. 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, Life, Liberty, and Levin on Fox. I'm not just uh, hawking this. When it's over, you'll see what I mean. If you're just disgusted and shocked at what took place today the way these prosecutors conduct themselves, we're going to put a spotlight on them like never before. And I've got the expert to do it, Sidney Powell. She's a former assistant U.S. attorney. She's been on the inside, and she has fought some of these people. I hope you'll watch. Helen, Oxford, Connecticut, the great WABC, go! Hey, Mark, uh, you and Sprite are my heroes. Uh, I just wanted to notice something, how to equate... Mueller with Janet Reno. 
because I go back a ways. They do I look a little similar. And Waco and Arian Gonzalez and how they broke the doors down and burned people and killed people for basically very, very minor offenses, especially breaking into people's houses, which are supposed to be protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, this this nonsense that went on with uh, Mr. Stone is outrageous. And, and where is our uh, attorney general prosecuting anybody? Where, where is this guy, Whitaker? Everybody's, oh, we want Whitaker, Whitaker, you're acting, uh, Whitaker. There are, these guys are always tougher when they're not in these positions. They write these op-eds, then they cower, then they've been beaten into the ground because of a damn hearing. You know, I served an attorney general who was tough, who stuck by his guns, who stuck by his principles, who was supportive of his administration, Ed Meese. They tried to destroy him and they failed. But he has a magnificent legacy. I don't know what these guys think they're doing. Thank you for your call. I really don't. Let's continue, shall we? Bob, Baltimore, Maryland, on the Mark Levin app. Go. Good evening, Mr. Levin. Let's resist the resistance. And, yes, uh, I'm with you. Question. I have a question about what you were talking about with Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this happened, never happened, which I doubt, but you never know. Would the Clintons, the Obamas, the Pelosi's, Hollywood, sports stars all be exempt from this? Or would they be included, too, or find their way to niggle out of it? Well, you know uh, how they'll find their way to get out of it? They give another speech, get another Netflix deal, you know, another book. They always find ways to make an enormous amount of money. And let me ask you, what the hell do they produce other than hot air? Nothing at all. Nothing. So if you're invested in hard assets, if you have a couple franchises or apartment buildings or a small mill or whatever it is, and you don't come up with that money, you know what? It's like the death tax, except it happens every single year. But don't worry, Mark. It's only 50 million and over. Okay. But there's a lot of small businesses that are 50 million and over, and they employ a lot of people. Yeah, and the they have to come America. up with money, and they're not going to be hiring people. Right. The hardworking Americans who have earned this are the ones who are going to pay the tab, and the ones who just get money from special interests and donors, uh, they're going to fly away and say, thanks, thank you, thank you, thank you. You're right. And here's the other thing. Can you tell me the last time, Bob, any politician with a bad idea who's done, uh, who's put in place what they wanted that has been very harmful, that they've ever been held to account? They're never held to account. Maybe they'll lose their office. Maybe they'll lie their way out of it. But they just do their thing and off they go. Yeah, all, all the time. You know, it's like uh, Sean Hannity says, one set of rules for one, one set of rules for the other. That's why I love listening to you guys. You tell it like it is. And you quote my buddy, you. my buddy Hannity, yes, like a brother. Yes, sir. I watch you every time you're on there, and I do watch your Sunday show. And if it wasn't for that, most of this country would not know what was going on. We'd be well, lied to more and more and more like we are to every day. Well, thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. You take care of yourself. Let's continue, shall we? Let's go with Robert, Charleston, South Carolina, the great WDXY. Go. Hello, Mr. Levin. This is Robert. I just wanted to say, suggest that, you know, um, in, in an economy, in a national economy, you always have a little bit of a compromise between free market systems and, and the competitive system. Well, if you're saying our system isn't wholly free market, you can say that again. No question about that. Well, you see, I was thinking of the German example where you have a very robust free market economy, but at the same time, you have actually much more socialism than here. 
because actually it's referred to in Germany as Unsere Sozialdemokratie. That's how Councillor uh, Frau Merkel calls calls it. In other words, she <laughs> considers herself uh, one of the progenitors. She does. Well, I, I don't know about about the rest of my audience, but I've always said when I want to know what kind of economy we have, uh, I think we follow Merkel. Yes, but of course, if she were here, she'd probably be around the same area as Bernie Sanders. Yeah, I agree. That's why we would want to follow her, because she's such a genius. On immigration, I think we want to follow her. On building a a pipeline to Russia, so we're dependent on them for energy. Why do you hate this country, sir? I don't. Not at all. Why don't you point to the great things that we've done? Why would you point to Angela Merkel, for God's sakes? Why don't you point to other people, like Adam Smith... Like Mises, like a zillion others, Friedman, who actually had ideas that resulted in the creation of wealth and opportunity and jobs and helped create a middle class. Tell me, what did Merkel help create? Well, you see, in Germany, everybody has a roof over their head. There's nobody in the Everybody in Germany does not have a roof over their head. Why are you lying to the American people? I would never do that. Um, Well, you are. Everybody in Germany does not have a roof over their head. Let me tell you about Germany. A lot of quacky ideas have come out of Germany. Hegelism, Marxism, Nazism. Why would we look at Germany for leadership? Well, get out of here, you idiot. Everybody. Everybody. It sounds like he's talking with a raincoat on, doesn't he, Mr. Producer? Everybody has a, uh, has a roof over their head in Germany, you know. Really? Including the two million uh, uh, refugees from the Middle East? Well, yes, so they all roofs over their head, uh, don't you know? Uh, Merkel, we should follow the Merkel example. Yeah, Merkel. Not Helmut Kohl, not Thatcher, not Reagan, none of, no, no, Merkel. Oy. One thing I look forward to every day is sitting in my X chair. I love this chair, I'm not kidding. Now, if you own one, you, uh, you understand what I'm talking about. Now, the X chair gives you something to be happy about. Even when you don't want to sit, you don't even realize you're sitting. And I mean that. And I used to constantly feel uncomfortable. Mr. Producer always your chair is squeaking because the arm would break, the this, the this, the, this chair is the best. It's the best. I spent thousands of hours sitting in the wrong chair over the years. So when I finally ditched that no-name superstore chair and traded up to the X chair, it completely changes everything. Here's great news for anyone thinking about getting an X chair. Now you can finance the purchase of your X chair for as little as $30 a month. Seriously, for less than the cost of a daily cup of coffee, you can make 2019 your most comfortable and productive year ever by getting yourself an X chair. Mr. Producer, you have an X chair. Do you like it? He loves it. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. If you spend a lot of time sitting, you need to get the X chair. Now, X chair is on sale for $100 off. Just go to xchairlevin.com, that's xchairlevin.com, or give us a call, 1-844-4-X-CHAIR. Now, X-CHAIR comes with a 30-day, no-questions-asked guarantee of complete satisfaction. Tell me, does anybody else do that? So there's no risk whatsoever. Go to xchair.com now, and if you use code LEVINFOOTREST, LEVINFOOTREST, you'll get a free footrest too. So give them a call. One eight four 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 x chair or go to their website, xchairlevin.com. We'll be right back. Mark Levin.
Let's go to Wayne Joplin, Missouri, the great KZRG. Go. Mark, thank you for t- taking my call. Thank you, sir. veteran of law enforcement. I've God bless served, you. I've personally served a lot of arrest warrants. I've also served on SWAT. Mm-hmm. What did you make of this? Stone's house this morning was nothing but show with those cameras there. They're fueling the hate of the left. That's all mm-hmm. it is, plain and simple. They're throwing everything against the wall that they can to see what sticks. You know, I just saw my buddy Bongino on TV. He's, he's a former NYPD and Secret Service. He said he's never really seen anything like this. This is the second time now uh, with Manaford and now with Stone. Utterly unnecessary. These people are not threats to anybody. And uh, he says the same thing. This is just, in, these are intimidation tactics, you know, strong arm tactics. And you feel the same way. That's exactly right. We've, I've personally served arrest warrants on uh, meth labs, and we did not use the same tactics that that team used this morning. And they had, I've heard, anywhere from 29 to 20, or 27 to 29 agents. Uh, they all had, you know, their pistols. Many of them had rifles. Uh, they had night goggles because it was 6 a.m. I mean, who's ever heard of this? This guy's stone. I could take stone with one arm. The man could have very easily been woken up at a at a decent hour and taken out of the house as you would a regular white-collar criminal. He was of no threat to anybody. He was not going to be violent. They knew that. It was all show. Well, Wayne, I want to thank you. God bless you, and thank you for your service. You SWAT guys are very, very brave. That's a fact. All right, ladies and gentlemen, every Friday we play Ray Charles in America in your honor. We're going to do that this time, Mr. Producer. There we go.
We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel, and all federal law enforcement. Thank you. Good night, Spritey. Good night, Griffey. Good night, Pepsi. Good night, Smokey. Good night, Zelda. Now, folks, enjoy your weekend. Don't watch TV. Until Sunday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. A big deal show on Fox, my show. Have a wonderful weekend. I love you, Mom. I love you, Sylvia. And I'll be back on Monday.